This episode of the Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you by iWake.com. Check out www.iwake.com for breaking news, articles, and exclusive videos. Thanks again to iWake.com. And now, it's showtime. He's been the voice of wakeboarding for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated Toad Water Sports' biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years on the water experience, charisma, and command of his audience, Noise of the North brings you the Golden Mike Podcast with Dano the Mano. Welcome, everybody, to the Golden Mike Podcast. I'm the Noise of the North, Dano the Mano, and now it's time for some audio sunshine. Once again, today's episode was recorded in sunny Orlando, Florida, the mecca of all things wake. This audio podcast is based off the lake life, my passion for toad water sports, and the athletes who have helped sculpt the landscape of the sport we love. Twice a month, I'll be chatting it up with the industry's top names, past and present, the riders, and the people behind the scenes who make this world on the water spin. The Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you for free on the first and third Wednesday of each and every month, both on iTunes and at noiseofthenorth.com. To keep this podcast no charge, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show, iWake.com, Woodrose, Hydra Fenders, Jammy Pack, Performance Ski and Surf, Hungry Boards, SUP, and GoPuck. Be sure to check out the sponsor link on noiseofthenorth.com to help support and to find special offers and deals from the people who helped me make this show happen. Please be sure to subscribe to the Golden Mike Podcast free on iTunes, and don't forget to rate and review the show. Also, follow my personal Instagram at DanoTMano, and both Twitter accounts at TheDanoTMano, and at TheGolden underscore Mike. Feel free to contact me with any questions or comments through the Golden Mike Facebook page, or email me, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. I'm stoked to finally have Nicola Butler on the podcast. I'm not going to lie. She's been a tough one to lock down due to her busy vagabond, but with a job schedule. I met Nicola as she was breaking out of the wake scene just less than 10 years ago. When I first met Nicola, she was about 14 years old and had such an aggressive riding style for a girl You just knew she was special. At first, she came across as a pretty quiet kid who let her riding do the talking. And although she is so humble, she has made a huge impact on and off the water. She pushes women's riding still today just as she did as a rookie. Nicola has a huge heart and also gives back through her charity efforts. She now operates a website focusing on lifestyle and the future of wakeboarding. We'll talk all about it in this episode. Now. After a quick break, I sit down with the wild child, Nicola Butler, here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Hydra boat fenders are innovative, unique, custom-made boat fenders, boat bumpers, and buoys made of quality, long-lasting marine materials that will last for years. Combining incredible softness for maximum cushioning with superior strength and durability, Hydra fenders are the most eye-catching and unique boat fenders on the market. Follow them on Instagram or Twitter at Hydra Fenders or check out the original Skull Fender online at HydraBoatFenders.com. Use promo code MANO2015 for an extra 10% off. Again, that's M-A-N-O-2015 for an extra 10% off at www.HydraBoatFenders.com. She's a two-time Masters National and Queen of Wake, a three-time world champion. Born in South Africa, moved to Great Britain, now hailing out of the USA. Welcome to the Golden Mike Podcast, Nicola Butler. Thanks for having me, Dano. No worries. Did I get all my facts straight there? I think so. Pretty much. Yeah, kind of like a, a, a traveling soul of a youngster growing up, but it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, still traveling. Hey, first of all, I want to congratulate you. Big win this weekend in Cancun, Mexico. That was pretty awesome. Good way to start the season. Uh, conditions not so awesome out there, but you stood it up. How did you like the two-run format for the ladies? Um, yeah, I think that was really cool. That was the first time 
uh, at the Cancun Pro for me and the first time using that format. And uh, yeah, I really liked it. It just kind of takes the pressure off. You don't have to just go out and get one run. That's it. You know, you can go out, kind of feel the conditions, feel the wake, come back in. If you mess up, you know, you have another chance. You also took home an extra little bonus. You won Rockstar's best wildcard trick for the women's division as well. Yeah, I did. So that was after our run. So I stood up my two passes and then got the wild card. So yeah, it kind of really benefited me because it counted towards my run and towards the wild card trick. So yeah, it worked out well. Well, I'm excited to have you. I know I've been trying to get you on here for a little bit and finally our schedules have meshed up, which uh, which works out good. You were just getting a little uh, sports medicine taken yeah. care of with uh, Dr. Abby Delgoff right here in my neighborhood. Uh-huh. Yeah. She's the best. I need to go see her, but I feel bad because I feel like she needs to see real athletes, and I only have been shredding like twice a week lately, so. Oh, not even. I think people, she told me people that have desk jobs have the worst bodies. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm probably, even though I can't touch my toes, I'm probably still pretty, pretty loose. <laughs> so you're back in Orlando now? I am, yeah, back for the uh, season. Very cool. I wasn't sure if you were going to stick around here or if you were going to head back to California. You've been kind of um, moving back and forth. Yeah, I guess I'm not really sure either. But it looks like Orlando is the place to be for, you know, the most riding and all my friends are here, so just makes sense. The West Coast living is a little bit different than the East Coast uh, lifestyle, though, right? Yeah, I do. I mean, I love the West Coast, and if it did work out I would love to be there and got the surf and just yeah just the atmosphere there is a little different than the east coast but uh wakeboarding is my main focus right now so it it blows my mind still to see how good some of those west coast riders are ripping right now guys like Twelker uh, in the pro men wakeboard division and and Melissa Marquette even though she's such a veteran I feel like she's riding better than ever right now yeah I mean that's I live with Melissa when I do go back to California and it's insane. She she rides on Canyon Lake, and it's seriously the smallest stretch of water that they have in Southern California. And there's just there's just nowhere else really. But uh, she makes it happen, and she's so dedicated to the sport that uh, yeah, it's cool to see. Is there a lot of battling between Melissa and the water skiers out there? Yeah, it's still going. I think it's been going on for about ten years. <laughs> it is way. That is way too funny. Melissa is just gung-ho about it all it's and it's fine you know she's got her she's got her views and stuff and uh but at the same time I've talked to some of the skiers and it doesn't sound to me like they give her as they they don't really give her the same amount of respect either so yeah it it gets crazy they're they're full-on wars you'd think it'd be over by now can't we all just get along I know I mean when you're fighting over a stretch of water that's seriously not even a mile long it's yeah. I, I guess it's pretty understandable. But if everybody could just take like a 20 minute set, then the next person gets the next boat takes 20 minutes in the next boat. If everybody's on the same, you know, level with it all, I think it could work out. But yeah, maybe you need to go over there, Dan, and make peace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bridge the gap. Bridge yeah. the gap. Hey, let's talk about your younger days. Okay. I've been announcing for a long time. And this year I had them redo the bio sheets for the riders. And I've always seen your bio sheets say GBR for Great Britain, right? Mm -hmm. But you lived in South Africa until you were nine years old. You were actually born in South Africa. Yeah, born in South Africa and both my parents are South African too. At the first stop this year, your bio sheet actually said South Africa instead of Great Britain. Really? Yeah. What's up with that? That's wrong. That's going backwards because I'm actually riding independent for USA now. So they should all say USA. <laughs> You you just keep switching up. You can't decide what you want to be. No, I remember like a couple years ago, I think it was Dishman or Bish came up and was like, hey, same thing. Like it keeps changing, <laughs> chopping and changing from contests. It says Great Britain, one time South Africa. You know, you're confusing the fans. Pick one, stick to it. And at the time I was still on the British team. So I was like, all right, GBR. But now, yeah, I've been in America seven, eight years almost. And I'm qualified to ride as a, U.S. citizen now, so. Very cool. Well, also, you don't quite have the accent you did at one time either anymore. No, I think public school took that right away. <laughs> I know you were really into surfing growing up in South Africa. How old were you when you started riding the waves? 
Um, I was pretty young. Yeah, my dad's always really into surfing. Uh, I think he was borderline pro, and that's kind of the route that he wanted me to take too. I think if I still remained in South Africa and grown up, I would be doing that, following that career. Um, but yeah, it's still a passion of mine. I probably started when I was like four or five, and then uh, well, how wakeboarding came about, I'd actually get on a surfboard and scurf behind a little rubber ducky boat, one of those inflatable boats, and yeah, it was really fun. So were you doing that in South Africa? Yeah, that was in South Africa. I was probably seven or eight. Did you guys ever even know about wakeboarding or water skiing or kneeboarding or anything like that in South Africa? Yeah, I think there's actually a photo of me. There's a really old photo, and I'm sitting inside of the boat, and I have this huge, like, you know, 145 board on the strap-on bindings, and I think that was my first kind of real memory of standing on a wakeboard. And you were pretty young when you moved to England, right? About nine years old? Yeah, it's about nine, ten. Was it hard leaving South Africa? Not that I remember, no. I think it was, yeah, it was harder to leave most of my family, but I was still, you know, young and it's exciting, you know, moving country and that kind of thing. So I think most most of my family ended up moving over later and they're still in England. So yeah, it worked out. Well, I read somewhere that it wasn't long after you moved to England that you fully discovered wakeboarding. Now, we obviously you just said that you'd been pulled behind a boat before this, but who was it when you got to England that you saw wakeboarding that struck that switch in your head that you wanted to do it? So I was living in this place called Milton Keynes, and they had this um, cable park. And obviously, cable was really new back then. I think I was around 11 years old. And I just happened to be at the park one day with my dad and saw this huge monstrosity in this cable and saw these people going around on wakeboards. And my dad's like, oh, that's what you used to do. So I uh, went down there. And then I think this was actually the same time they were having the um, boat nationals were going on. And that's where I met Stu Mackey and Will Christian and... Uh, yeah, I was riding a lot of cable and then went over and saw them doing it on the boat. And I was like, oh, I, you know, I want to be a part of that again. So I started going to Stu Mackey's place, Keyside, and uh, getting coached by Stu and Will. And then, yeah, kind of all took off from there. Who are some of the European riders that were also riding with you and Will and Stu at the time? Um, that would have been, I'm not really sure. I think Dan Knott was still around back then, Sam Karn and his brother Johnny. Yeah, I remember those guys working at Keyside. So you were kind of mixing it up with a little bit of cable and a little bit of boat in England. And I know you figured out pretty early that you wanted to go pro, probably like, what, about 14 years old? Yeah, so I was I was competing in the cable and I was um, in the younger divisions and stuff and then started, yeah, focusing more on boat. And uh, I think I got elected for the, the British team and we went to uh, Worlds in Spain. And that's where I first, uh, that's where I met Mike Ferraro and he, yeah, started talking to my dad and. And it was like right after that, that you started traveling to Orlando? Yeah. So he kind of recommended, said, Hey, come out to Florida and I, I want to see Nicolin. I want to start coaching her. You know, he saw talent in me back then. And, um, my dad was like, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity. And then we started traveling to the States for two weeks, like every two months, every two months would be taken out of school, going to Florida and then. Eventually, it just kind of, you know, there was no other option but to move here. Yeah, your family made some big sacrifices for you to get over here to the States. I, I remember, well, I don't remember exactly what year it was that I first met you, but I worked at OWC till about 2007. I worked at Performance Ski and Surf, so yeah, I was working with you guys, selling you some product and stuff. Yeah, I remember that. It's pretty cool that you were able to link up with Mike Ferraro so fast because normally a young athlete like yourself would have wanted to ride with Mike and he probably would have put you with some of his other coaches. Yeah, and... he's quite elite. Yeah, but he brought you on board right away, right? Yeah, he. I'm not sure why, but he just happened to be in Spain. Maybe he was coaching the American team and uh, he just said he really wanted me to come over and start riding with them and start working with me. Do you remember how old you were when you first started traveling to Orlando? Uh, I would have been probably 13. And then the full move was what, a year or two later? Yeah, I moved when I was like 14, maybe just turned 15. And was that the whole family? Uh, I actually moved with my dad and my sister at first, and then my mom came over maybe a year later, and then my parents only stayed for about two years, but they had to leave because of visa reasons. So sibling-wise, it's just you and your sister? 
Um, yeah, so my sister stayed, and she actually just moved out uh, about a year ago, maybe a year and a half. She moved back to Europe. I know she's an artist, but was she a rider at all? Was she into wakeboarding? No, she was never really the sport. I think we always joke she got the brains and I got the sporting abilities. Do you still train with a coach now? Uh, no, I do not. How come? I'm not sure, really. I just kind of got to a point where, you know, Mike taught me so much and I started to really understand wakeboarding and understand the next sequence of tricks. And then, uh, yeah, I just started riding with friends and having a lot of fun and kind of never really went back to coaching. Any, like, new tricks you're working on right now? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, always trying to work on new tricks, but the main thing is really I kind of only started riding about three months ago since my surgery. I had uh, broke my leg last year, um, so I've been back on the water just trying to get everything back. That's the most important thing, and then, uh, yeah, working on some new tricks. That was a pretty big deal then, taking the win in Cancun over the weekend, and then, obviously... I said it before, the conditions were just not really that good, but you still went out, and that wild card you did was a heel side roll to blind? Yeah. I know a couple of the other girls had landed rap KGBs, but sometimes I look at the roll to blind, and I think, even though it's like one less yeah. rotation, it's definitely, uh, it looks like it's a harder trick to land. I think so. I think it's a little more difficult. There's more, you know, you have to pass the handle, on, as opposed to KGBs, more unwrapping. I was looking at Larissa, too. Yeah. With that backside 540, Larissa Morales, the Mexican shredders. Yeah, I, that... she, I bet you it was between her and you for the for that wild card trick. Oh, she didn't actually land it where for the wild card though. She did that in her run. Yeah, so you're that's right. why. Yeah, but that was really cool to see. That was kind of her main objective of the weekend. She was telling me, and then to you know do that in her home country and do that for the first time in a contest for her. But yeah, it was cool. You were pretty successful when you broke onto the scene. You started making an impact right away as a rookie. What year was your rookie season on tour? Um, 2008. 2008. Well, I always felt like when you arrived on the scene, you brought that really aggressive and progressive edge to the sport. You were doing tricks other girls couldn't at a time when women's wakeboarding needed a major push. Do you feel at all that you helped push the progression of pro women's wakeboarding through your contest riding? Um, sure, yeah, I'd like to think that. Yeah, 2008 was uh, a killer year for me. I think ended up winning most of the tour stops, Queen Awake and Rider of the Year and all those things. And yeah, I was only 16, so it was all like really exciting for me. And it was just coming so naturally to me. I had, you know, the girls were pushing me to stay on top. And then when you have that, uh, you know, you have the girls riding behind you and just that momentum, I just was able to keep it going all year. I know there were some extra pressures on you right away as a, a rookie because you came out of the gate. You started winning contests, and through throughout like almost the middle of that season, I think you were on par to like win every single contest that year, right? Yeah, I think so. And I would assume that probably added a little extra pressure. Did you ever feel that? Not that. I mean, it seems like it was so long ago now, but not that I really recall. I just... Mike put me in a really good mindset and he's really he really helps with that you know with competition riding and it's just take a deep breath you know how to do these tricks and go out and it was just working out for me yeah he teaches doesn't he teach something as as if like the riding isn't almost the most important thing it's almost like your mental yeah there's definitely the mental it's about getting to the contest surveying the site you know doing course management that kind of thing a lot of riders I think overlook that and also you need to know if you're going to fall on trick you know what's your next plan of action not to wait till you're in the water and then you're kind of you know you got all these thoughts racing through your head like oh what do I need to do what now you know just to always have a plan and that yeah well it's, it's definitely a great thing for you to have that and I remember the first handful of the years that you were on the scene you're always so contest driven and today you still compete and I'm sure that contests are important I mean you're still making finals heck you just won this last weekend but is winning to you still the top priority um I think so I think I've always I've had a very competitive personality and I always want to strive to be the best and what better way than to go out and win contests you know I think I it won't ever change I love free riding and I love going out with my friends but uh 
yeah, nothing really beats the feeling of winning a contest. How has your training changed over the years? You know, when I did ride with Mike, it was a lot about linking tricks and doing sequences over and over again, whereas now I go out and just have fun, free ride. If I'm feeling good, I'll, you know, try a new trick and someone in the boat yells out, hey, do this, like, instead of going out training. Yeah, I think that's just the big difference. Let's take a quick break and talk about gear. I get all mine from Performance Ski and Surf and online at perfski.com. Performance Ski and Surf has been the world's leading water ski and wakeboard pro shop since 1989. The award-winning staff brings decades of on-water experience and knowledge to each sale with a laid-back, no-pressure attitude. Do you like to get sweet deals on even sweeter gear? I know I do. So right now, through June 15th, Mention my name, Daniel the Mano, and the Golden Mike podcast and get 15% off all rubber, spring suits, full suits, heater tops, all wetsuits and vests are 15% off when you mention my name, Daniel the Mano, and the Golden Mike podcast. Stop in for yourself at Performance Ski and Surf across from the Florida Mall just minutes from the Orlando International Airport. Call or visit them online at perfski.com. Hey, I'm Amber Wing, and you're listening to the Golden Mike podcast with the Noise of the North, Dano the Mano. And now back with Nicola Butler. Nicola, who are some of your riding partners right now? Uh, right now, I'm riding on Holden a lot, just with whoever. I've always rode with Gunnar Schuler and his brother Gus. Um, yeah, they're some of my best friends, and they're always down to ride every day. And then in the past, you know, I've ridden with Harley and Amber when they come over for the season. Um, Caro, she's another, she was my roommate last year. And How do you say her last name? Jupso? No, it's like some kind of pronunciation we can't make. It's like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But I say Jupso. It actually means deep lake in Swedish. Yeah, I say, that's what I say too. Every time there's like a couple of riders that when they hit the water, I'm just like, I like actually watching them shred, but I hate announcing their names. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and There's she's a few. And she's one <laughs> she's of them. She's one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, 2013 Nationals, we were in Ohio, and I remember you left in an ambulance from that event. Injury kept you off the water for a while after that. I believe it was your back. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what happened and how you were able to recover from that one? Um, so basically, I think it was just kind of uh, stemmed from, you know, overriding. And over time, it was just too much impact on my lower back and uh, ended up, I think it was just on a wake jump. I, my back was hurting a lot, um, but I wanted to finish out the season. And uh, yeah, I went out. I remember just doing a wake jump, I think letting go and casing the wake. And it was just, yeah, over from there, I ended up um, herniating a disc. Um, and then had to fly back. I didn't need surgery, fortunately, but I um, started seeing Dr. Abby a lot, and uh, yeah, she really helped me through. And then, yeah, it was a painful couple months. I mean, I'm not sure back injuries are, and uh, I had to wear a brace for two weeks and just lay in bed, and then I uh, got to start working on some physical therapy and basically just strengthening the other side of my body to try and pull everything back into place. And so from the back injury, you came back in 2014, and then you injured your leg. Yeah, so I had, like, probably a year of pain from the back. Like, luckily, it's pretty much gone away now. I think kind of it's just on to the next injury, kind of taking the heat off, but ended up just, yeah, it was more of a freak accident, just landed wrong and trying a dum-dum and uh, ended up snapping my tibia plateau uh meniscus and tearing my IT band. What month was that? Um that was in June. So you just rehabbed all summer long, all fall and then you started riding, you said just like 3 months ago? Yeah. Now you're back from injury, you're getting stronger, you have a a big win under your belt already for the 2015 season. Mm-hmm. What other goals do you have for this year? I think just get back on top. Yeah, I think I still have still capable of uh winning all year and uh of course Megan I think Megan Ethel's 
one of my biggest competitors this year. And then Ramey's riding really good too. But uh, yeah, I, Megan kind of reminds me of a younger me, kind of see that drive in her and uh, just want to find that drive again. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm so impressed with the women's division this year. It seems like, well, you're seeing so many like roll to blinds going down from the girls. You're seeing like heelside 540s. Some new names in the field are coming up. And I think it's going to be a good year for women's wakeboarding, personally. Yeah, I think so, too. And now uh, women are part of the Wakeboard World Series, which is a first for us. And, yeah, that means, I mean, going from no, absolutely no tour stops to having, I think we have seven or eight this year. And uh, with improved prize money, like, yeah, it's awesome. Definitely things are going up. In a positive direction, the, the WWA has truly stepped up to the plate this season and you know that that was a bummer last year where you girls kind of got left behind but I think that it really pushed you all and I think we're seeing it in the riding now yeah I think so there was like I don't want to say anger resentment but you know when we do get left out like that uh instead of letting it get us down I think everyone just kind of focused on our riding and uh showed them, you know, we do deserve to have these contests. And, yeah, I think it's going to be a really fun year. We have uh, a stop in Tokyo and another one in Portugal. So, Yeah, I can understand it, the frustrations for sure. But, like you said, pushing you guys to take your sport to the next level. And I think we're seeing it. I think it's going to be a great year. So yeah, we'll, move, we'll move forward. Whether you're competing on the water or traveling the world, in my opinion, you've done a great job of creating content and spreading the word about women's wakeboarding. Your personal blog page has some pretty deep stuff, but recently it seems like you've put that on the back burner a bit and started a new website, theoutsidersonline.com. I mentioned my thoughts on the website on my first episode of the season, but can you tell us a little bit more about your vision behind the website? Um, yeah, I think it was basically when I... Every time I get hurt, I kind of have all this these creative ideas, and uh, this was just one that came to me just more, I don't know, just kind of focused around my friend group and uh, just wanted a place to put, you know, all our creative energies and kind of source it to one place, photos, music, that kind of thing. And, of course, wakeboarding is a big part of our lives. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to kind of start something that was run by younger by the younger generation. Yeah, and you come up with a lot of cool, creative, different ideas, and I think that's what really and and I like I said I I talked about this on my first episode of the year, and I think what separates your website from guys like Alliance or Wakeboarding Mag or even like iWake, who I do a lot of work for and sponsors the show, you come up with all these young, very creative ideas. You're giving people who may never get attention, attention, you know, and and. There are so many talented riders out there. Personally, I, I want to congratulate you on the website. I want to find out how you got an idea for one of the sections that I'm really into. I saw this on GoPro's uh, video of the day. I think you guys won video of the day is for the uh, Pass the GoPro segment that you did while you were at CWC. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, so GoPro made that video of the day, which is really cool. I work with them a little bit. You know, they're always sending you products, so... Just trying to give them something back. I always try and come up with something creative. And uh, I think we were just kind of sitting around at CWC, which is basically like Wakeboarders Paradise. And, uh, you know, we have all these riders from all over the world, and we're all sitting there trying to think. Everyone's got a GoPro in their hand, and we're trying to think of something funny to do or some kind of idea. And I think, yeah, I just kind of saw everybody filming each other, and I was like, it'd be cool to just pass it around. And then it just kind of kept growing on the idea and then yeah I'm not really sure how it came about but we just thought you know it would pair everyone up and uh yeah just do the whole handover thing and that way we can keep it going and flow so let me get this straight you're editing videos personally right you're taking photos writing articles editing content for your website and you're traveling around the world where do you find the time to do any of this stuff um well yeah that's why there might be a kind of a hiatus on the website right now. But when I was injured, I had, you know, unlimited time to work on it. And now it's kind of more reserved for those long plane flights or, you know, days off when I'm not riding. I just kind of log footage and then I do everything on my laptop. So it's always with me. I don't know. Just find the time. 
do you have anybody helping you at all? Um, not not for video wise. I mean, of course, everyone. Melissa and I do a lot of um, GoProing together, so we'll share clips and then help each other with editing. She also does edits too. And then article wise, I I do actually have an intern working for me for the Outsiders. His name's Matt, and uh, he does a good job. He's doing a lot of the interviews for me with the twenty under twenties. And then yeah, I have a a couple of people write for me and they kind of more submissions but uh most part it's just me i follow a lot of your social media instagram facebook um and i always see you traveling around the world taking some really really cool photos with your friends where's your favorite place to go so far um that's hard to pick i think favorite place i've been would be bali just because uh i love surfing and still have a passion for that and it was just paradise there and then um Thailand was really cool for me. I went there for the first time in February and yeah, fell in love. Who are your favorite people to travel with? Um, I would say Melissa. Yeah, we've gone on so many trips the last year. I mean, no, the whole my whole career. We've been going on trips and uh Carol's another one. We just get along so well and then, you know, when it comes to riding we push each other. And then uh say my best friend here, Emily. Yeah, we always have a lot of fun. Do you have any good stories of trouble or fun from any recent trips? I have kind of a funny story from uh, when I was in the Philippines. We were going um, on to Australia for the first World Cup stop. Caro comes up to me. We're kind of we're sitting at the cable, and she comes up all in panic and is like, "Hey, our flight's tomorrow. Like we're leaving tomorrow." And we'd both kind of forgotten. There's only 28 days in February, and we we're leaving on the first. And we were like, oh, no way. We got to go back to cabin. We got to pack up. And where we were, where CDBC is, is in Naga. And it's about an hour flight from Manila. And that's where our main flight was. But everyone recommends that you get the night bus because they can just cancel the flights, uh, like, for no reason, I guess. Um, so we're kind of sitting there like we have to do all this stuff. We have to go get our bus ticket. We have to leave in a couple hours. And I was just kind of... Like, I'm not ready to leave CWC yet. I haven't said goodbye to anybody. And I ended up looking online and realized that I didn't, my Australian visa hadn't been approved, so they wouldn't have let me into Australia anyway. So I had to call and uh, change my flight and ended up staying in the Philippines for a few more days and then got my visa approved to go to Australia. It was so stupid. I ended up, I already applied for one, but they send you an email and you have to click on the link. And I didn't, I guess I missed the email, didn't click on the link to actually apply for it. Um, and then if you stay in the Philippines for more than 30 days, you have to go to the embassy and get um, get an extension, which is like $150. So I go with one of my friends. I'm like, great, now I'm here for like a day extra. Go to the embassy, sit there for about 30 minutes. Uh, the person comes back, uh, excuse me, mom, you stay here exactly 30 days. I'm like, really? Yeah, you don't need extension. I'm like, great. Another just <laughs> another mishap ended up I went through so much to go to the embassy. I had to get my photo like passport photocopied, all this, got all the money out, got there. I'm saying exactly third days, didn't need the extension. Finally got the night bus and it was time to leave. <laughs> Did you ever make it to Australia? I made it to Australia, yeah. And how long were you there for? Um, I was there for about a week. Yeah. Went to see Haley Smith on the Gold Coast and then Went up to Harley's house and got to ride with him a little bit. Did you ride the Moomba Masters? I did not ride Moomba, no. And you went and visited Brad Smela too, right? I did, yeah. So we went to Perth for the World Cup stop. Um, and then after that, Melissa and I and then Ashley Lugner, we all went over to New Zealand to see Brad. In his new house? In his new house. Yeah, we were there for his housewarming party. Cool. Yeah, I'm so jealous of you. I want to go so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. He's He's got all these smoking hot nurses from what I understand, and a really cute roommate who I I already know that girl, but yeah, but uh, yeah, he's he seems like he's making the best of everything and staying super positive out there. He is, yeah. It was really cool to see him. We went over and uh, we got a bunch of fairy lights for him and set up his backyard, and then yeah, he had a barbecue. And actually, Bob Sovin and Colin happened to be in town the same time, so yeah, it was really good. Really cool. Hey, so yesterday I just watched Al Sur again. On uh, well, I I watched for free on the Union Wakeboarder website. Was that your first real wakeboard movie that you were starring that you starred in? Yeah, I think so. 
you and Melissa were basically the only two girls in that movie, right? Yeah, we were. Did you get to travel with any of the guys for filming that? Yeah, yeah, we were still on the couple of the trips with the guys. Did you get to ride with Randall Harris at all? We did, yeah, and um, I think two of the trips. And how is what is that like? Um, that was really cool. Yeah, before we kind of when we started filming for the process and for Elsa, I'd never had the chance to see Randall ride in person. So uh, to be on the boat and to experience that, yeah, I think I'm not sure if you well if you watched it yesterday, I'm sure you remember his last you know hammer, the toe back seven off the double up and just ridiculous uh, we were on the boat for that and yeah it was just really good energy and vibes out there when you broke onto the scene I mean, you went right into like pro wakeboarding you went from being somebody that really didn't nobody really knew of to uh, one of the biggest names in female wakeboarding were you a fan of wakeboarding of the athletes before that at all um yeah i used to of course riding with mike I used to look up to dallas a lot i'd see dallas and i'd see her as this kind of figure this untouchable and then yeah next minute I was on the dock standing next to these people and riding with them um but I definitely went through my fan days were there any riders that you would fully nerd out to like oh my god like obviously Dallas but you meet these people you realize they're normal people but at first were there people you just you were riding against you almost couldn't even talk to yeah I think just Dallas really for that one and then I kind of grew up riding with Harley so it was always I was like shocked when I rode with Harley and he was just landing these tricks and it was ridiculous, but it was kind of like we were such good friends off the water that I, you know, didn't really fan out to him, but I always had great respect for him. But uh, I think just Dallas was, yeah. I remember, well, I grew up with Eric Ruck Mm -hmm. and I met Shane probably when he was like 10 years old or 11 years old. And I, I met Parks soon after that as well so I knew a couple of the guys but I remember moving down to Florida and my first time being at a party and seeing Scott Byerly and getting introduced to him and I just had like nothing to say to him I just would be <laughs> jaw on the ground oh my god and you now I can call Scott up anytime shoot him a text message or he likes my photos on Instagram <laughs> or comments or something yeah but, it's funny how it works yeah it comes around like full circle yeah Back to talking about the movies, do you have any cameos coming up in the future for you in any videos? Um, Nothing too solid planned yet. Just going to try and do um a lot of filming this season. I haven't really had a, you know, like a full season edit before, so uh, I think that's something I want to work on. Are you going to do it yourself or are you going to work with somebody on that? I think I'll work with someone on that. I think it seems like everybody has a drone now, so... That's really cool. I've been talking to BT a bit, and he wants to start flying and filming. So I think it'll just be a collective effort, just kind of get everyone around Orlando to do some filming, and then uh, really like someone else to put it together. It's kind of hard to edit yourself. Yeah, I I agree for sure. I edit yo-yo videos of myself all the time. So (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we could switch off. (laughs) Yeah, I'll give you my yo-yo footage. I'll take your your wakeboard footage. But I'm very amateur at best. At best. Nicola... If you're not comfortable talking about this, I understand. Yes. Um, but can you tell us that crazy story that went down with your dad and his neighbors a few years ago with the dogs? Um, yeah, yeah. We were on a trip together. That was uh, right after my first Hyperlite team trip. And then we were going to Masters, I think. So basically what happened, I wasn't at home in Florida, but I have two Huskies and they got out. Um, they're very adventurous dogs, but... uh. They just managed to get out one day. My dad was living in Narcusi area, and uh, they were running through a field. And one of the guys, it wasn't actually the owner of the property, it was his friend, uh, came out with a gun, and he he said he thought they were wolves. So uh, he started shooting them. It's just weird, but for some reason, someone decided to stop on the side of the road and filmed everything. So it's on YouTube. It's pretty dramatic. My dad's there running in the field saying stop. And and they're sweet dogs, right? Yeah, it was just, it was ridiculous. They're wearing collars. They're, they're not wolves in Florida. And it's kind of all escalated and went to a court case. And both dogs survived, which was crazy. And I think the guy, yeah, he kind of got off. He's not he, like, my dad got money back, I know, and kind of covered the medical bills, but I think he was really hoping the guy would lose his gun license or his business or something because he was a repeat offender. 
I remember watching the video and just being blown away because you could hear your dad begging the guy to stop, right? Yeah. He was begging the guy to stop, and the guy could obviously hear him. Yeah, and he's just, like, down on his knees, and the dogs are, like, the worst part, he's, like, shooting the dogs in the head, and they're coming back up to him, you know, trying to, just trying to be pet by him, and, but, yeah, it's insane. They both survived, and uh, I think my dad called up Sean Murray, I think, and he was there, and he helped my dad and drove him to the vet. Yeah, and also the support from the wakeboard community was there, too. I I remember seeing it, and your dad asking for like anything anybody could help because it was yeah. an expensive ordeal. I remember I think I made a $10 donation, uh-huh. but you guys, that, that was pretty cool. You had a lot of support from the people, uh, folks, you know, yeah. helping out. And then everybody was re-Facebooking or whatever, yeah, sharing yeah. the videos and stuff. It was, that was a crazy time. But are so both those dogs still with us? Um, Yeah, they are. My parents actually just got a new one too. And they're back in England. Something crazy though. They when how long ago was that? Six, five, six years? Must have been. Yeah. So they um from Rayleigh, one of the dogs, they didn't remove the bullet. Um, it was kind of too close to his spine, one of them. Um, and a couple months ago my parents noticed like this bulge on his stomach and they were, you know, every day it was just growing bigger and bigger and they were like wondering what that was and then eventually it just pushed through and it was the bullet. Mm-hmm. It had worked its way through the body and like pushed itself out. That's crazy. I'd probably like put a hole in it and wear it like a necklace or something. Yeah, I don't I don't really I don't know if they kept it. I don't kind of mixed feelings if you'd want to keep that or not. Yeah. But uh yeah, they they survived and it's really cool. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. That yeah. the bullet came about <laughs> five, six years later. Yeah. You also do your fair share of charitable efforts. Let's talk a little bit about Cian Najee. Can you tell us a little bit about C? She was one of my best friends, and she had cystic fibrosis. She passed away like two and a half years ago. So just following that, just really wanted to do something in her honor. So I linked up with the cystic fibrosis in Orlando, and uh, we had a fundraiser. And yeah, ended up raising I think eleven, twelve thousand for the chapter here. So that was uh, really cool. You know, and I didn't personally know C, but through your blog. Uh, I was able to learn about her and her story, and her story hit pretty close to home for me because I have a friend I grew up with at the lake up in Wisconsin who also had has cystic fibrosis. You did a great job raising all that money, and then I asked you if I could come on board and help you raise some money throughout the rest of the summer, and we got Duncan Yo-Yos to donate like five mm-hmm. or, or, no, it was actually a thousand yo-yos, and you designed a side cap for them and yeah we sold all of those we were able to raise like another six or seven thousand dollars yeah just the ride for c yeah it was, yeah, it, was it was really cool and i still have people sending me photos of them throwing those yo-yos around or calling me up trying to get one are you involved in any ch- charities currently um yeah currently i work with the young and brave and they're um out of california that's uh, really cool. It just started by two surfers over there. Um, Nathaniel Kern is the pro surfer. And then uh, one of his friends, Matt, they just kind of started it together. And they're doing great work over there. It's for kind of aimed towards, I wouldn't say just kids, but a majority of it is children with cancer. And what they do is they take on, they call them warriors. And they just use the help of, they have a lot of surf and skate and then me for the wake ambassadors. and then. What we do is just kind of push the foundation, and then when new warriors come on board, with you know, help them get noticed and just help them raise money, and just mostly, and not even all about the money, just about support and love. And when people are going through cancer, of course, it's really you know traumatic time, and yeah, they're really cool guys. And just having athletes like you show up and show your support and show that you actually care. I mean, it's it's huge for it's huge for for those people. Right? Yeah, I'm sure. Just just getting their name out there and just getting some publicity it just is a small uh, yeah token what are your thoughts on the current state of women's wakeboarding it's uh i think it's in a good place yeah what we talked about with the uh the being part of the world series the increased prize money and level of riding it's in a really good place if any what changes do you think need to happen to elevate women's contests i think Something we could do that 
wouldn't just help uh, the women's side, but the men's as well is look at pro surfing and look at how they have, you know, instead of just mapping out two, three days for a contest, they have a whole week or maybe further. And then, you know, when we do face problems with the weather, we can have lay days because I don't know. I think that would just get the best out of the competition and the riding, you know, not having us ride in 20 mile an hour winds. You know, we want the competitors to have the best time, but we also want, you know, the fans to see the best level of riding. It's almost like a balance because you want the fans at the events, but at the same time, you want the best conditions. And sometimes a Sunday at two in the afternoon for finals isn't the best time for a final. Yeah, it's not. But I think I think that could be improved. Yeah. Are there any young ladies, any shredders that uh, are on your radar? Holly. <laughs> Holly Waldrop. Little Holly. Yeah, little Holly's killing it. And then uh, I think Zara Kell over in Australia. Um, I think she's only 11 and she's just absolutely slaying. Yeah, the kids now, it's the little hybrids, these kids who, when when we were 20, couldn't even think about doing these tricks, and these little kids now under nine are doing them. It's, yeah. It's impressive. And the crazy thing about um, Zara is she snowboards, too, so she can do all this on the snowboard and then comes over and wakeboards. Her dad's a legend. Yeah. Scotty yeah. Kell, and they run that uh, wakeboard Yeah, school. Black Diamond. Yep. Have you done any riding with them? I haven't actually made it out there yet, but I've heard a lot of good things about that place. I've never been to Australia. 2016 is going to be my year to go to Australia, I think. Yeah. The Golden Mike podcast is going to take me there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what other plans do you have for this summer? Uh, events that you're excited for or appearances that you're going to be making? Um. Yeah, I think the next thing on the schedule is Masters. I got a, an invite to the Masters, so... Uh, that's awesome. You know, we call it the most prestigious event in wakeboarding, and it really is. It's a really good time, so I'm looking forward to that. And then, yeah, as I said, we have a stop in Tokyo and then Portugal and then another World Cup stop in China. So this season is, you know, really jam-packed, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a busy year. Busy for year. All of us, for all of us. Yes, and the Masters. You're going to go for your third Masters title? The Masters. Um, yeah, that's the uh, plan. Good luck. I, I'm I'm pretty vocal about it. I'm hoping that I get a ring this year. It's my 10th year announcing wakeboarding at the Masters. Oh, do they do that? That's a rumor. I don't I don't know. I'm 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 that guy that'll probably get s- snubbed on the ring, you know. <laughs> but I mean, how long has the Masters been going? This is going to be like the 58th or 56th Masters. Wow. Yeah. I guess I should know that if I want a ring. <laughs> They give you a test. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, before I let you get get out of here, where can people find you on social media? Basically all the outlets. On Instagram, it's just at Nicola Butler. Twitter, I think it's backwards for some reason, at Butler Nicola. And then, uh, yeah, I have the Facebook fan page, Nicola Butler again. Super easy to find. And your sponsors, do you want to give them a little love over the uh, Golden Mike podcast? Mm, yeah, sure. Um, Rockstar Energy, they're... Uh, Supporting me always, and they've been really good. And then uh, CWB, and then Young and Brave, Biowake, and Surfer Girl Sun Care. Very cool. I know that some of those guys are going to uh, retweet or Facebook or Instagram all about this interview, and I think this was good. Yeah, I had fun. Yeah, thanks for chatting it up with me today. I, I, I hope you had as much fun as I did. I did. Thanks for having me. You heard it there, folks. That's the wild child. That's right. They call her trouble. <laughs> Thanks to Nicola Butler and hang tight listeners. Some closing thoughts coming up in just a few moments here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Woodrose is a sunglass company based in central Florida that manufactures frames from wood and other sustainable materials. With an infrastructure built on a passion for action sports, life on the water, and a love for the great outdoors, there's no doubt Woodrow's handcrafted wooden and sustainable eyewear will fit your lifestyle. Follow Woodrow's on Instagram at Woodrow's or check them out online at woodrow's.com. That's W-O-O-D-R-O-Z-E.com. Well, that was a fun and semi-structured conversation with Nicola Butler. I think it's pretty evident Nicola has a pretty artsy and free-thinking soul. 
I appreciate her commitment to the sport and her want and drive to continue pushing and growing women's wakeboarding. With her website, theoutsidersonline.com, Nicola and the next generation of riders have a new outlet to show their creativity, their passion for the water, lifestyle, art, their travels, and they can do it at their own pace on a canvas they've been able to create on their own. It was funny hearing Nicola talk about her hectic journey to Australia. Forgetting February was only 28 days long. I almost missed a trip thinking the same thing. Well, Nicola's a normal girl with some abnormal talent on the water. She has a strong vision and a good heart. I'm glad we're friends and was stoked to have her as the second lady ever on the Golden Mike podcast. So, what did you guys think? Let me know. I love email. Your feedback, it's always welcomed and encouraged. Shoot me a note through email goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com or message me through the Golden Mike Facebook page. Again, I'm on Twitter. Follow me at the Dano T. Mano and at the golden underscore Mike. Y'all know I'm on Instagram. Shoot me that follow if you don't already do at Dano T. Mano. Before we go, a few shout outs to the sponsors and the folks behind the scenes. Thank you to iWake.com, Performance Ski and Surf, Perfski.com, Hydra Fenders, Hungry Board, SUP, Woodrow's, Jammy Pack, GoPuck, my friends at Logos That Pop, and the crew from Empire Sound and Lighting. Thanks again to my guest, the 2015 Cancun Pro Women's Wakeboard Champion, Nicola Butler. That's going to do it for today's show. I appreciate y'all for tuning in and listening. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan Mano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.